0: We've got handbells, cowbells. This is all in honor of UK's win last night, right? (laughs) This is the way to use bells. Uh, So far in uh, this Calm the Chaos message series, we've talked about some reasons why it's beneficial, spiritually beneficial, Uh, even spiritually necessary, you could say, for us to do what we can to calm the chaos in our lives. Um, Two weeks ago, we talked about how important it is to choose to receive and to develop within us the mind of Christ. We called it uh, living by God's operating systems, not the one we were born with. It's the one that Jesus came to give, so that when the pressures of our world squeeze us, What comes out of us is not anxiety or worry or fear, but instead love, because that's what came out of Jesus, Uh, even under pressure, even facing death, when the world squeezed him. Because remember we said he knew who he was, he knew where he was going, and he knew who was really in charge. Those three things Jesus understood, he was confident about that. Uh, for, for that to happen in us requires this internal change that God makes through his spirit. It's a change he's willing to make. He wants to make. But it's one that we have to invite him to make. And we have to welcome. Inviting the spirit to give us the mind of Christ. To fill us with love. That is absolutely critical to live calm lives in a chaotic world. So we talked about that two two Sundays ago. Last Sunday, we talked about the importance of doing what we can to quiet the noise in our lives so we can hear and so we can follow the day-to-day direction and guidance of the Holy Spirit. And we looked at the Apostle Paul as an example of that. Uh, It still works that way today. Through his Spirit, God does actively speak And lead, just like he led Paul, to go here but not there and to say this but not that. And in that sort of specific guidance, God can bring great spiritual and practical benefit and blessing to our lives. But if we want to hear his voice, we said, we have to put ourselves in positions to listen. Those are things that we can do, decisions we can make. To calm the chaos of life, uh, and those are also uh, some good reasons to do so. Today, I want to change the gears a little bit and talk not about our efforts, but about Jesus' power and ability to calm the chaos in our lives, as the, the text there that, that Wyndham read describes for us. When we hear this story of Jesus calming the storm, most of us very likely also think about the account of Jonah from the Old Testament. Uh, It just just immediately comes to mind. And that was certainly true for Matthew's original readers. Their minds, I I can nearly promise you, went right to Jonah. They knew well the account of this man whom God told to go to the city of Nineveh, capital of Assyria, home to these sinful, brutal people, and to declare to them the message that they stand under God's condemnation. But Jonah, as you probably know, not wanting to do that, decided to board a boat and travel in exactly the opposite direction of Nineveh. And yet in his travel, God used this great storm at sea to turn him around, and in the end, to do as God asked him to do. Uh, Now, of course, Jesus is different from Jonah in that the the storm here did not come because of Jesus' disobedience, as it did in Jonah's case. Of course, we understand that. And Jesus did not have to be thrown overboard, Or, or even he didn't even have to call on any outside authority in order to calm the storm. So the, the unavoidable message here is that Jesus is considerably greater than Jonah, okay? But just the same, there are many ways that these accounts and, and even their main characters, Jesus and Jonah, are, are very much alike. Uh, of course, both Jesus and Jonah were sleeping and presumably unaware of the storm that was going on, and so both of them needed to be awakened so that they could act. The storm in both accounts must have been really severe, since these experienced sailors in Jonah's case and these experienced fishermen in Jesus' case were both, were, we, we find out, they were both terrified of what was going on. The word describing the storm here in Matthew is used in other places to speak of earthquakes. So it was a big deal, the storms were. Also, both Jonah and Jesus were directly tied to the storm's coming, the storm's appearance. Both knew what it would take to calm the storm. Both put on a display of power, God's power, for the other people there to see. And both of these accounts send the same message that God cares about redeeming all nations of people, not just the people of Israel. So the accounts are similar in all of those ways. But there is one greater similarity. The great similarity, the great message of both of those accounts is that the key to the calming of chaos and even the greatest chaos, which to a Jew would have been without doubt a raging sea, Jews didn't like the sea, they were land people, not sea people. The key to calming, even the most threatening chaos of life, is faith in God. It's just that simple. Faith in God. Neither those sailors who were on board the ship with Jonah, nor the disciples who were on board the boat with Jesus had enough faith in God to believe he could calm the chaos. But very interestingly, both Jonah and Jesus did have the faith. Both Jonah and Jesus had complete confidence in God to the point that they were both able to sleep, to rest peacefully, even in the midst of these great storms. Now you say, oh, well, That might be true for Jesus, but I don't know about that being true for Jonah. Oh, but it is true for Jonah. And here's why. Do you remember why Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh? It wasn't because he was afraid of the Ninevites. He wasn't afraid that they would reject him or beat him or even kill him. He wasn't afraid of that. It wasn't because he didn't believe God would be with him or protect him. He knew that God would be with him and he knew that God would protect him. Jonah rejected God's mission for him. Not because he thought it might fail. Jonah ran from God's mission because he knew it would succeed. Jonah knew. That if God was sending him to do this, those people at Nineveh would indeed hear what he was saying. And that they would repent. And as compassionate and loving as God is, God would forgive them. And Jonah didn't want the Ninevites to be forgiven. Jonah didn't think they deserved to be forgiven because of the people they were and all of the evil stuff that they had done. You know, this is very much like God asking some Jew in Israel today, knowing that they would repent and knowing God would forgive them. It's just like God asking some Jew today to go to the leader of Hamas or Hezbollah and say, you know, God is disappointed with you. For someone who suffered directly their hatred and abuse and destruction, Jonah wasn't ready to forgive Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh, but not because he thought God would fail. Jonah didn't want to go because he knew God would succeed. And that, friends, is faith. That is faith. There is a lack of love in Jonah, yeah, but there's no lack of faith. Jonah's is a tremendous, confident faith. And because of that, Jonah knew exactly why the storm had come. And he knew exactly what it would take to calm it. He knew that God was in it. He knew that God was in charge of it and that God would do the right thing no matter what. Everything Jonah did was done in complete confidence in God, which is why Jonah could sleep in the boat. And in that way, he was exactly like Jesus. The great difference between Jonah and Jesus, though, is that where Jesus said to God, Yes, Father, I will do whatever you ask, even if I don't like it, even if it's not pleasant, even if I don't agree or understand. Where Jesus said that to God the Father, Jonah, on the other hand, was not willing. He was not willing to agree with God on just this one issue of the Ninevites' redemption. Now, we know, if you know the story of Jonah, you know that after a little time and and a heroic effort on God's part to change Jonah's mind in a very messy way. I can't even imagine that. But Jonah did go to Nineveh. He said what God told him to say, and the Ninevites did repent. And God extended his mercy to them. Everything that Jonah thought would happen there happened there (laughs) at Nineveh. And yet we are left wondering if Jonah ever comes to see it as the success that it is. Because the book of Jonah closes with God making his case to Jonah about why this was important. But we never hear Jonah's response. Choosing to love enough to forgive... That's another enormous way, of course, that Jesus and Jonah, at least everything that we hear of Jonah, are different. Um, Here's two principles to consider as we come to the Lord's table today from from these accounts. Um, First of all, there will also always be a chaotic part of life that we cannot control. Just like... In the life of Jonah and in the life of the disciples, in the boat there, there will always be chaotic parts of life that we cannot control. In those times, peace and rest are still possible, but only through faith in God. Nothing we can do in our own power, nothing but faith, will allow us to rest In those moments. Uncontrollable chaos. It is at times a way of life in our broken world. And yet even then God gives us rest. And both Jesus and Jonah show us that. Second. In the life of even a person of great faith. Like Jonah. There exists the potential. For even greater harm. And chaos if we refuse God's guidance. If we know what we're to do, but we fail to do it in even just one area, even one instance of resistance in an otherwise stellar life of faith can make a big difference, not just in our lives, but in the lives of those around us. Think about the the upheaval, the the additional chaos that Jonah's rejection of God's instruction caused. For him, for the sailors, for all those people on the ship, for the Nineveh, for everything, everything around. And then in contrast, look at how Jesus' consistent obedience led the disciples always closer and closer to faith, closer to redemption, closer to God, closer to understanding God's purposes. You see, Jesus completes the story. He he completes the life story of Jonah. Jesus shows us that trust in God can be complete. Complete. He demonstrates that there's grace and power to trust God even when we don't understand, even when we don't agree with him completely. Jesus invites us to an even greater faith, a, a faith beyond The faith of Jonah, a faith in God that lets us rest even in times of great chaos, even in those times that we don't understand or that we cannot control. So will you believe Jesus for that kind of faith today? Faith that lets you rest in God, in his care, in his plan, in his great love for you in spite of circumstances. That's what God is offering today. Through Jesus, that is what he offers us. Holy Spirit, would you come and would you help each one of us today go beyond even the faith of Jonah, all the way to the faith of Jesus? Would you help us trust you for that which we don't understand So that we can not just find rest for ourselves, but so we can be examples and even providers of rest to those around us. As we come here to your table today, Lord, if there's even one place in our lives where we are pushing back against you, like there was this one thing for Jonah, if there's one place where we push against you, you, would you show us that place? And would you help us to say yes to you? So peace and rest would prevail there so that in every way your kingdom would come and your will would be done through our lives. Point it out to us, Lord, even as we kneel here at your table today. In Jesus' name, amen. There is a green paper in your worship folder. If you would take that out.